Who drew that on the thing? Ty. Okay, welcome, guys. Um, tonight's topic is baptism. Are you standing, Sorry? Yeah. So tonight we're going to look at water baptism just to to make something a little clearer before I get into this. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we are essentially, man is essentially three, three persons. We have a, a body outwardly, obviously. We have a soul and we have a spirit, um, S, in the middle. And what happened when mankind sinned and rebelled against God is that God said that the day that you rebel against me or the day that you sin, you, you will die. So man's spirit died and became tainted like so and uh, his this happened instantly and then his body began to die so back in the day in the early creation of the world man was uh, designed to live forever um, but the day that he partook of the, the fruit, he, he partook of the, what he wasn't supposed to. He, instantly his spirit died and his body started to decay, started to break down and sickness came into man's body and his soul also became disturbed. The soul is a, a mind, your will and your emotions. Um, but when Jesus came through the came on, on the cross and took all of our, our sin upon himself. So there's Jesus on the cross with our sin. And as we come to him and confess our sin and give it to him, he, he takes it all away for us and he gives us new life and he breathes into our spirit and our spirit becomes clean. If um, Jen, could you just grab a a, towel, a serviette for me? I'm just going to rub that out there, <laughs> just to give a a little illustration. So, just as a as a as a background, um, before we get into into baptism. Okay, so if we, in John, if you if you have a Bible, then thanks, Jenny. You can have a look in John chapter 3, verse 3 to 5. So, when, when a Christian is saved or uh, born again of the Spirit of God, what's happening is that God breathes into our, our spirit and our spirit is made alive again. So, yeah. So, the Bible says that he who lives in sin is is dead even though he he lives but when we come to Christ and confess our sin uh, he breathes into our spirit and our spirit becomes alive so that's what happens at salvation but water baptism is obeying God with our bodies it involves our physical body uh, when we first come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and our spirit is saved, that is purely, it's an act of faith. But water baptism is it's an act of obedience and it involves our physical body. Um, in John chapter 3, in verse 3 to 5, Jesus said this. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This man answered him and said, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be reborn? <laughs> Fair enough question. Jesus replied, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water 
and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is saying is, is that uh, when we are born into this world, a baby is, is born, actually passes through water. It's a baby in its mother's womb is you know, encapsulated with water. And when it's born out into this world, it comes through the water. And that's why um, some mothers can choose to give birth actually in a bathtub because the baby's not breathing. Um, how long till the baby starts breathing? Some of the, one of the, <laughs> takes a few seconds anyway. So, so a baby, as it's born into this world, it passes through water. So that's a natural birth. But in order for our soul that was filled with, with sin and darkness, it needs to be born again. And uh, when it's born again, uh, life comes into it like that. Um, however, our soul is being tainted by the things of the world, our mind, our will and our emotions. Uh, has has as we've been living apart from God it's our soul has been trained to to live uh, after the the rudiments and the principles of this world which are anti-god um, and our body also follows suit so somebody whose whose uh, soul is living after the things of this world the body is a slave to the soul and uh, when we come to Christ and and he breathes into our spirit and we start to uh, renew our mind, renew our thinking, that in, bring our thinking in line with the word of God and begin to please him, uh, then our body also follows suit. So when, when we look at water baptism, uh, we are looking at surrendering our whole body, soul and spirit to God. And we, uh, that's why Jesus said, unless one is born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of god so so being born of the spirit involves the spirit inside but being born of water involves actually obeying god in the water of baptism and there's a few truths that, that we can apply to our lives um, we'll get into that but in acts chapter 2 verse 37 uh, when the disciples after pentecost began to preach uh, the the death and resurrection of jesus uh, those who heard the message it says that they were cut to the heart they were convicted in their soul and they said to peter and the the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do and peter said to them repent which means change the way that you think and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are, f are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So God's calling us to come to himself. And so what I want to point out tonight is that water baptism it's a preparation to receive the Holy Spirit. And that's God's plan is that he wants to fill us with his spirit. And as, as Peter says, change the way. In order to receive the Holy Spirit, we have to ch firstly change the way that we think, the way that we've been brought up, the way that we've been taught by the media and the world, which is anti-God in its, in its ways. Uh, we have to change our thinking and we have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ uh, for the forgiveness of sin in order to receive the Holy Spirit. So there's a couple of um, illustrations I have here on the board. Uh, one is uh, the Red Sea crossing um, and the other one is the tabernacle. And I want to look at both of these tonight in relation to water baptism because each of them teach us something about baptism and these are what we call shadows of uh, shadows of the truth so when when so 
if you take, uh, for example, a uh, cricket game, a, a night cricket game, you see uh, the light shines on the players and then the shadow is cast on the field. So what we see that God is, is, is shining from eternity on Jesus and that casts a shadow in the Old Testament. So when we look at these Old Testament shadows, we see types and figures of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see types and figures of the New Covenant Church. We see types and figures of our life and we see types and figures of um, eternity. So God shines upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that, that, that there is no, God lives outside time. He lives in eternity. There is no time there. So, so Jesus actually was crucified outside time because he had already agreed, Jesus had agreed that he would be the substitute for man's sin before God made the world. So, so from eternity, God shines upon Jesus and it casts a shadow in the Old Testament. So we see here uh, the Red Sea crossing. We see that uh, the children of Israel, they were in bondage in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And God brought them out. He delivered them uh, through the, there was a series of plagues that came upon uh, the upon Egypt and upon Pharaoh and and uh, the armies of Pharaoh but they were finally they were finally delivered through the death of the firstborn and uh, they the Israelites had to kill a lamb and paint the blood on the doorposts of the house and when the angel of death passed over he saw the blood and 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 passed over that house and Pharaoh uh, got Moses and said hey you guys get out of here um, we can't take this anymore. So, so they they got them all together and they started to to head head bush, so to speak. They got to the Red Sea, and they encountered a problem that you know they had no way of getting across the Red Sea. And they noticed behind that the army of Pharaoh was pursuing them, and uh, Pharaoh had hardened his heart again, and he sent his army to bring the children of Israel back. And uh, they, they, God spoke to Moses and, and said, you know, stand on the edge of the Red Sea and, and speak to it and uh, tell it to, to, to part. And they, they all went through the Red Sea. And as they traveled through the Red Sea, started to come up the other side, they turned around and they saw the army of Pharaoh pursuing them. And at the same time, the waters came in and buried them. So this is a type of water baptism. We see the waters on, on both sides and also the, there's a cloud above. Oh, that's a blue cloud. We see a white cloud. White cloud above. We know clouds hold moisture. So the truth that we see in this is that uh, as they came up out of the waters, they looked behind and they saw the pursuing army buried under the water. And so we see that they were delivered uh, from, from the works of sin uh, through, the, through the Paschal Lamb. Uh, but they were delivered from the pursuing nature of sin uh, by the water of baptism. And the army of Pharaoh is a type of the nature of sin that pursues us after we come to Christ. When you decide that you want, no longer want to live a life of sin uh, and you want to follow Jesus, that's all well and good. And you, at the, when you accept Jesus into your life, when you believe in His blood and you decide you want to live for Him, it's, it's a wonderful thing and your spirit is, is renewed. However, there is this uh, nature of sin that can thinks it still has a hold on you and it pursues you and because uh, your mind has not yet been renewed and not not yet um, learnt you're not you haven't yet learnt who you are in Christ then there is this problem of the mind of sin and this is where 
we see water baptism is a, is a beautiful uh, truth there that, that as we go into the water, we actually die to our old way of thinking. We die to the nature of sin that we've been following all of our life. And we bury all that stuff there. And, uh, and as we come up new, we're born again new. So it's, and, and God just erases everything out under the water. So when the children of Israel came up out of the water and they saw all of the enemies buried behind them, they just went into a, a, just a jubilation, a, a song of victory. And that is, is how we as Christians overcome sin. It is through understanding the truth and the power that there is in the water of baptism. Uh, for instance, uh, we, we die to our old self. We die to it. We're dead and buried. And, uh, you know, it, you, you can't take a cigarette and, and expect a dead man to smoke that cigarette. He just he won't, won't be able to smoke it. So, so we are dead to our old sinful nature. And they, as the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 15... They, as they looked and they saw all of their enemies that pursued them dead once and for all, they sang this song. They said, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. So all of the sinful nature that pursued us has been buried in the water of baptism. And uh, the depths have covered them and they sank to the bottom like a stone. And when we confess our sins and surrender to, to God, it says he takes our sins, our sinful past, and he buries it in the depths of the ocean. And that's, that's what happens at, at the water of baptism. We know that the ocean is very, very deep in some uh, places. It's actually deeper than, it, than the tallest mountain, Mount Everest. And there's no light down there. It's just dark. And if you bury something down there, nobody's going to go down and get it out. <laughs> so all of our past failures, all of our past wrong, everything that we have done or said that is any any anything which is which is is not perfect is not like god in our lives is buried and forgotten forever so it's a that's a pretty good deal um, the second shadow i want to look at tonight is the tabernacle and we see here the tabernacle was God's dwelling place in the wilderness. And in that uh, time, God couldn't dwell with man, you know, in his physical body because man was sinful, hadn't yet uh, been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. The Holy Spirit couldn't dwell in man's physical body. So God chose to dwell in this place in the Holy of Holies, in this box here, this golden box. And uh, it, was, it was overlaid with gold and had two cherubim on the top. And it was a Shekinah glory of God in there. And it was called the most holy place. And only the high priest could go in once a year. He had to be covered with blood and he had to carry out certain rituals. And uh, he had to, 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 through carrying out those religious rituals, uh, he, the sins of the people were, were cleansed for a period of time so that it would enable him to go in as man's representative into the, into the Shekinah glory of God. But that's through the new covenant, through Christ, uh, we have access to the Shekinah glory of God, which is it's a pretty cool. But tonight, I want to look at uh, this little fella here. This is the Leva, or the big fella, as, as Ty has drawn it. Just around this... Uh, tabernacle there was a, a, a fence like this 
was a big a big curtain it was about nine foot high so your average man couldn't couldn't look over it <laughs> you had, unless you were a goliath or something and even then you'd have to be on his tippy toes to get <laughs> you wouldn't see much so it was a big curtain round about and uh there was a door at the entrance here and not anybody could just waltz in you had to be you had to be a jew uh, you had to be circumcised and you had to have a sacrifice you had to have a lamb and uh, <clears throat> when we know jesus is is a door right jesus is the access when you first get into into the uh, tabernacle into the outer court there is an altar here altar a for altar and that's where you sacrifice your animal so you don't get struck dead <laughs> so <laughs> After you pass through the altar, uh, only the priests could go further. And <clears throat> there, there was this laver here. And this is a type of water baptism. It's a shadow of, of, of water baptism. This laver was made of, of brass. And um, brass was a metal in, in Bible times that spoke about, uh, sig it signifi signified judgment and also uh, signified, uh, you could say, grace, because the grace of God is given to us so that we don't come under the judgment of God. And the interesting thing about this, uh, this laver is it was taken from the, uh, the looking glass, or they called the looking glasses or the mirrors, brass mirrors of the Hebrew women in Egypt. They were instructed specifically to take these, these glass mirrors that were made of brass, melt them down and make the laver. And uh, so there's spiritual significant things that we can learn from that. Um, for instance, the Word of God in James, it tells us it's like a mirror. That when we come before the Word of God, God's Word, uh, we actually look at ourselves. So we're holding the mirror up and we see ourselves. So when we read the Bible, we read it and we apply it to ourselves. Uh, secondly, water baptism, when we come to water baptism, uh, we have to judge our lives. And we have to realize, hey, you know, I haven't been living according to God's principles. Um, I haven't lived up to his standards. So the Bible says that all men have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And... We, we would all put up our hand and say, yeah, look, I've fallen short of God's glory. So, so when, when we go to take water baptism, there has to be a searching of our lives. And we have to see, does my life match up to God's standard? And you may be a good person. Uh, you may you know, be, be full of uh, noble deeds and good, good works, but, but your life compared to God... God's standard doesn't, doesn't match up. Uh, so we see this, this brass, uh, it also speaks about uh, the grace of God. And the interesting thing is that this particular article, it didn't have a measurement. Um, and we see the grace of God is without measure. The grace of God is given to us without measure. And just as sin abounds, so grace also abounds. So there's no limit to God's grace. And so you may ask, can God forgive me? I've killed three people and I've, you know, I've done this and that. I'm a pretty bad dude. But yes, just as sin abounds, so grace abounds all the more. So there is no measurement in God's love towards you. And there is no, uh, there's no limit to his grace over your life. So God is a God of compassion, He's a God of mercy, and He's a God of grace. So it doesn't matter how great your sin is, His grace is more. His grace is more abundant. So there is no, there is no, that's why there was no measurement given. Every other article in the tabernacle, there was very specific measurements given. And they had to make it specifically as God had requested. So we see this laver. The priests, before they could enter into the holy place, uh, they had to wash themselves 
in the laver and they had to wash their feet and they had to wash their hands and we know feet represents the places where we walk and as we've walked through this world this sinful world this rebellious world our feet have become dirty our feet have been stained with the rebellion of this world and they need to be washed our hands bible says our hands are stained with his blood we we were even though we weren't there uh, nailing jesus on the cross physically because of our sin we are as guilty as the soldier that hammered the nail in uh, to to his hands and his feet so we caused jesus our sin or your sin caused jesus to be crucified but god has uh, made a way uh, for you to be cleansed and washed so we see this this tabernacle it's it's in hebrews i think chapter 10 it talks about how this is a shadow of the true tabernacle that god has pitched in eternity so we see in john chapter 14 how jesus said uh, let not your hearts be troubled and uh, he said i'll come again for you and he said in my father's house there are, there are many mansions already there but he said i'm preparing a place especially for you so I'm going to come back. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And then I'm going to come back and receive you to myself. But before I can come back and receive you to myself, then you have to prepare your life. You have to prepare your life to enter into God's glory, God's eternal glory. So he's doing his part. Jesus did his part on the cross. He dealt with your sin. He made a way for you to escape from the wrath of God. But you have to do your part in obeying him and following him and being sincere and he's not asking you to jump through hoops but he's just he's asking you to follow the process that he's laid out for you and we see in this tabernacle there's a process of worship and it's a type and a shadow of the new testament process and the the, the situation is that first we have to repent turn away from our sin and we have to acknowledge Jesus as our perfect sacrifice. As we come, Jesus is the only way to salvation. Jesus said, I am the door. No man can come to the Father but by me. So there is only one way to be saved, and that is through Jesus Christ. Uh, there may be other good men in this world and, and good religious leaders. There may be good religions, uh, but they won't save your soul. Only Jesus can save your soul. So we have to come through Jesus, through the door. We come and we see that only the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world can cover our sin because it's only Jesus that lived a sinful life. So only his blood is valuable to God uh, to, to purchase you or to cover your sin. So then the process to receive that is, to receive the fullness of God is we go through water baptism after we're baptized, um, before we go into the most holy place, uh, the priests were to pour oil over their head. And this is a type of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to look at what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. So, so water, water baptism prepares us to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is where, what, when God inhabits us in His fullness. And that's where he wants because he loves us he wants to be with us and he wants to inhabit your life so water baptism it's a preparation to receive the fullness of god in your life through the baptism of the holy spirit so this tabernacle it's it's a shadow of the heavenly realm and there's three areas is the outer court is the holy place you go through this one curtain there's a holy place and through a second veil into the most holy place so in heaven, you, you can read in, in John chapter 21, there's a new earth, which is uh, outer court. Uh, there's a new heaven, which is a holy place. And there's a new Jerusalem, which is the most holy place. And he's calling us to be in the new Jerusalem, in the city of God. And that's also referred to the throne of God. And that's where he wants us to be with him. He doesn't want us to hang out uh, away from him. He wants us to be with him. He wants us to be his bride. So water baptism is a preparation to bring you into the bride of Christ, to bring you into an intimate relationship uh, with him. 
And uh, Jesus, we know, is seated on the right hand of the Father. And that's where he wants us. He wants you and me uh, at, at his right hand for the rest of eternity. So it's actually, it's a response uh, to love. It's a, it's a, all of this process, obeying God in water baptism, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's a response to his love. Jesus loved us, he laid his life down for us and said, this is, this is how you follow me. So just look at a couple of scriptures. Um, in Colossians chapter 3, in verse 9, it says, Don't lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. So after what about, when we, when we decide we want to follow the Lord Jesus and be baptized, uh, then we, we no longer can lie. We can no longer t uh, speak lies in, in our attitude and in our words with others. So we put off our old man with his deeds and we put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So our identity before baptism was in ourself. We were living as self-centered creatures. After water baptism, when we go into the water, we're dying to ourself and we come up in Christ. We're raised just as Jesus after he died three days was in the tomb. After three days, he rose again. He came up out of the ground and was resurrected as a new man. So as we come up out of the water, our identity is no longer in ourself. We no longer live, but we live uh, in Christ. Christ lives in us. We live in him. He lives in us. So that's, that's the new man. So in, in, in Romans uh, chapter 6, it talks about how we are now dead to sin, but we're alive to God. Um, okay, so... Uh, yeah. In Acts chapter 22, uh, there was this guy called Ananias, and he was called to, to go to Paul, who was Saul, and uh, actually pray for him that he may receive his sight. The Apostle Paul, uh, he was, was Saul, he was a Pharisee that went around persecuting Christians. But God spoke to Ananias in Acts chapter 22 and said, Go to Saul and uh, restore his sight. Um, so Ananias went to him and said this. He said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one, that is Jesus, and hear the voice of his mouth, that is the word of God, for you be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And he asked him to, to repent and to be baptized that your sins may be washed away. So, so when we turn away from our sin, we, our simple act of baptism causes our sins to be washed away. It's pretty cool. In Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 19 to 22, he says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest through the blood of Jesus. That's this place here, holiest, most holy place where the Shekinah glory dwells. Through the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. So when Jesus died, when Jesus' flesh was torn and his, he was died, this veil here that separated the Shekinah glory from the rest of the world was torn from top to bottom. And uh, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So our hearts sprinkled, that is through faith in what Jesus has done. Our hearts are sprinkled. Our heart speaks about our, our subconscious thinking. Um, our heart is, is a subconscious mind and that speaks about our soul. So our, our soul is sprinkled. That's who you are. Your soul is sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. You understand that your salvation is dependent upon the blood of Jesus. But what about your body? 
Your body is washed at the water of baptism. It's washed with pure water. And uh, yeah, so just let's quickly look in, into Romans. Romans chapter 6 is it's an awesome chapter about water baptism and it and explains quite clearly in, in verse 3 it says know you not that many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death and in verse 4 it says as we we're buried with him through baptism into death that just as Jesus raised from the dead we should also walk in newness of life in verse 5 as we've been united together in his death we will be united in his resurrection it talks about how our old man is crucified and buried and our new man comes up and then he, he says do not let sin reign in your mortal body so in our old life sin reigned and we know Paul said it very well I, I know what I, I know the good that I'm meant to do but I have no power to do it I find another power working in me and that's the power of the sinful nature and at water baptism that pursuing sinful nature is buried uh, under the water as we saw in the the army of Pharaoh was buried under the water uh, so then he, he talks about how we were slaves to the sinful nature before um, leading to death and he says but thanks be to God that through you were slaves of sin uh, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that you were delivered so the children of Israel remember that they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years and they came out of slavery but the army of Pharaoh was pursuing them wanting to bring them back to a life of slavery and that's how the enemy works the devil and his demonic forces try to pursue us to bring us back to a life of sin and death to bring us back to a life of sin and that's why if we understand the power of baptism when those temptations come to us to say you know you you belong over here in this darkness these thoughts belong to you these evil habits belong to you these addictions belong to you you then have the power to say no that was all buried it was all buried under under the water and now I'm a new person I no longer identify myself as a sinful person I'm no longer a slave to sin but I am uh, a son of God or a daughter of God I am free from sin I'm free from the bondage of Egypt that's an awesome thing so and and we became free through obeying from the heart the form of teaching to which you were delivered and we have become uh, slaves of righteousness so when we, we when we say we're as as Jesus followers uh, we are slaves of righteousness and we are love slaves we are not slaves uh, that that had no choice but we have been given a choice to follow him and because we have decided to commit our lives to to Jesus Christ we have become bond slaves of love as he says here in uh, Romans 6 verse 22 he says but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God you have your fruit to holiness and to the end everlasting life for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord so uh, there's a difference between a wage and a gift uh, when we were slaves to sin we receive a wage for that slavery and a wage is death but as love slaves to Jesus Christ we don't get wages we get a gift 
and the gift is eternal life. So we're no longer in bondage, but we're in freedom. Because we, we now have a choice. We no longer have to sin. <laughs> We've been delivered from its power. And uh, we're free. Um, in, in Luke chapter 7... Actually, let's look in Matthew chapter 3. Jesus, when uh, John the Baptist was, was baptizing people, Jesus came up to him and uh, John tried to prevent him. And he said, uh, no, I need to be baptized by you. I can't baptize you. You're the son of God. You're perfect. I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus, it's interesting what Jesus uh, replied to John the Baptist he said allow it to be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness so Jesus being a perfect son of God needed to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness and yet we as sinful people feel sometimes that we no longer we don't need to be baptized because of some religious tradition that we follow i myself uh, was was baptized when i was a baby (laughs) however the bible says that we must first repent and then be baptized that we must make a conscious decision to turn away from sin and to follow Jesus Christ. And when I was a baby in my parents' arms, even though they wanted the best for me, they, they, I believe there was something in their life that wanted me to follow God, I didn't make that conscious decision. So when I came into my adult life, when I was 18 years old and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, made a decision I wanted to, to leave a life of sin and, and live a life of, of of holiness that I needed his help and to follow his principle I uh, was baptized and I have to say that I it was uh, it was a cleansing experience for me even though I had uh, confessed my sin before and I'd received salvation uh, through through his name I'd even received the baptism of the Holy Spirit but when I was baptized I, I felt like a, someone had taken a big scrubbing brush and scrubbed me out on the inside. And I felt so clean. And like I, I felt like I'd just been born again. I felt like a new man on the inside. And, you know, sometimes if, if you haven't had a shower for a while, I, I haven't had this experience for a long time, but, you know, if you haven't showered for a few weeks, you kind of get used to the dirt. And, and although you would like to, you know, have a shower or have a bath, you, you can kind of get used to living with the dirt. And, you know, after living, you know, 10 or 20 or even 30 years in this world, living a life of sin, you, you just get dirty on the inside. And you don't realize what it's like to be clean until you're clean. <laughs> You've got to get clean. To have that experience is only only one way. So it's it's the doctrine that that, that Jesus laid out for us, and uh, so when we obey, just purely because uh, we we obey out of love, out of response of of what uh, the scriptures have laid out for us, then we get blessed. And uh, for me, I I really felt like I'd had a fresh start in life. So. If, if you want to have a, a fresh start with God um, and you want to get cleansed on the inside and uh, water baptism uh, with the correct repentance is the way, to, the way to do that. So Jesus said, Allow it to be so now, uh, for thus it is for fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And so John the Baptist allowed him and we see that 
when Jesus was baptized, something incredible happened. He came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened. So the heavens split open and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and came upon Jesus. And there was suddenly a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So we see the Trinity God, the fullness of God, God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit turned up to congratulate Jesus on following the principles that were laid out for us through the scripture, even though he was already perfect. And yet God was pleased with his act of obedience. That's pretty cool. This is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. But the Pharisees, on the other hand, they were the religious dudes and they had all their religious garbs and their they knew the scriptures, they knew their religion, uh, but they felt that they didn't need to be baptized because they had their religion and they were secure in their religion. And in Luke uh, chapter 7 verse 29, uh, when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God having been baptized at the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. So these religious men rejected the counsel of God because of their, their religion. So what religion does is it says that, you know, we don't need Jesus. There is another way. And um, it's through our own effort, our own good works. And the Bible says there is no other way. Uh, there is one door. There is one way. And not only is it through Jesus' words, but salvation is through following him, following his life and he mapped out the way for us and as he obeyed the lord in the water of baptism so we too uh, must follow in his footsteps and um, yeah be baptized that way we can live a life free from sin pretty cool hey so that's that's all I, I want to get into. Um, is some any questions? Anything? Doesn't anybody want to add anything? Or? I have a question for you. Why do you think that? I think it's Peter that writes this. He says that you need to be baptized to be saved. Um, I can't remember which chapter it is. Yeah. But he's like, he makes a point of it. And it's always confused me. Yeah. Because Paul says, confess with your, oh sorry, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth and be saved. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, as we know, the word saved, it it's, has a, a full meaning. So um, it speaks about the full plan of God's salvation. So my understanding is that, you know, as a thief on the cross confessed um, that Je Jesus believed in his heart that, that Jesus was God, Jesus promised him, you know, salvation. Um, <clears throat> but is this, as you see in the, in the tabernacle here, um, we can come into the outer court experience through the door, through Jesus, simply through having faith in Christ. But to go into the most holy place, to receive the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and to get into the Shekinah glory of God, there's other things that we have to do. And we, we need to follow the way of the Lord in the water baptism. Uh, we need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and go into the Shekinah glory of God. So there is some 
who will be saved in eternity, they will be there in, in heaven by the skin of their teeth. We don't know who they will be. We don't know. But in eternity, there are, there are different glories. And there's, there's those who are more intimate with Jesus because of the life they lived here on this earth. So salvation is a, it's a broad term. You know, it can be just in the door or it can be, you know, a full salvation is, is in here. Um, so salvation is not only for eternity, but it has different experiences in, in this life. You know, some people uh, don't, they don't know Jesus as a healer, their physical healer, but their, their soul is still saved, but they've never experienced the healing power of Jesus in their body. Are they saved? Yes, but they don't understand the full gospel. So salvation, as I'm learning, is, it's, it's a process. Yeah, so, so to enter into all the promises of God and the fullness of God, and as Jesus said, to enter uh, into the full counsel of God and for everything that God has for us. And there's, you know, there's a process that we go through. So through this, though, it, uh, we have to understand that it's a love relationship. So whatever, whatever we do and whatever process that we go through in life, it has to be based out of a love for Him. Um, and if we, if we take that relationship away, um, then it becomes works, it becomes dead works. And for instance, if you decide to get baptized just purely uh, because someone told you to, then it becomes a dead work. It has no meaning. But if you get baptized in faith, believing that your past life is going to be uh, washed away and your new life is going to come up when you come up out of the water, uh, you do that in faith and you'll, you'll be blessed. Courtney. Hey, Jules. I have a weird question. Um, I often get confused with the concept of time around this sort of stuff because if God lives outside of time, if that makes sense, and then with this sort of stuff with like this tabernacle and the building and, and like his kingdom and glory and the different rooms and all that stuff, I've heard people say like, you know, some people will say, oh, that's later, like that's when you die. Some people say, oh, your spirit's already there. Some people say, like I hear all these different, yeah. I'd love to get your knowledge of that <laughs> yeah i i don't understand the, the whole anti-time thing myself because i never experienced it like because i was born in time but you know all i know is that if we took time out of the equation then we'd just have god you know it's um but as far as like i think the scriptures is so plain you know and, and the instructions are for in this time you know in this life so like you know water baptism is not for eternity it's for now you know and um, faith in christ is for now like when we get there we won't need faith because everything is fulfilled you know as it says now the, um, these th three things faith hope and love in eternity we won't need faith and hope because we won't need to hope for something which is here like the fullness of God will be there. So all there will be will be the love of God. So like all of these processes were written in the book for this period of time. In eternity, we won't have a Bible because the fullness of the Bible will be there. There won't be night and day. <clears throat> there won't be pain. There won't be suffering. It'll just be all God, all love, all joy. Um, so, so yeah but we all have a journey and we're all in different places you know in that journey but that journey is related to time you know it's all the timing of the lord and but when you see like the it helps us to see the children of israel like they wandered around i think nath said a couple of weeks ago they wandered around in the wilderness 
for 40 years for a journey which should have only taken a couple of days because they disobeyed they weren't willing to obey the lord so we could we could you know call ourselves christians we could have faith in god we could wander around in this world and it may take us 30 years to get baptized and then it may take us another 20 years to receive the baptism of the holy spirit <laughs> and then we're you know 70 80 years old we might only have another 10 years <laughs> to live for jesus so I figure, you know, the quicker we obey God and give, you know, follow all of his principles and, and direction, you know, the, the more we can live for him in this period of time. Um, because once eternity comes in, uh, you know, there's no going back into the, into the time capsule. So. <laughs> I don't know. But it's something that... I've always been motivated by eternity. You know, I guess before I came to Jesus, I was quite money orientated and I had very specific goals that I wanted to achieve, you know, by the time I was 25. And um, I knew that I only had a short life to live in, in which to gain, you know, financial prosperity and I had dreams and plans. And so I was very motivated by time. I knew that time was money and you know so when i came to jesus and eternity became real to me it was like all of that went out the window <laughs> i was like i became the opposite i started giving everything away and all i wanted to do was lead people to jesus so i was sort of then i later on you know when kids came along i found out they needed you know somewhere to live and stuff so <laughs> had to get more balance in my life in that sense. Um, but for me, time was a, was a motivator, but equally eternity became a bigger motivator because I realized, hang on, mate, I'm here 70 years. I don't want to end up in hell for eternity. <laughs> but, you know, if I can spend a few years preparing myself to, you know, go, go into eternal, um, bliss with God then I'll do that and if I can take a few with me then yeah it's probably a good investment <laughs> so I don't know eternity is a, for me it's a big it's a biggie you know I got one more question sorry yeah Like it's just preach, come up front, get saved, and then maybe some people get baptized because they really want it. But it's like kind of rare. Firstly, why do you reckon that is? And secondly, the the early church in Acts they always talk about baptism. Mm. Yeah, I I think that I think just a simple obedience, really. Yeah, but but I I think I, I think it's the same reason as the Pharisees rejected the counsel of God, like the Pharisees being the religious men of the day. I think as the modern church, I think we've re embraced religion, you know, and that's pr probably one of the ways that religion manifests itself through not having a simple obedience to... Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Um, just to make it a bit more clear, what I mean is that, as an example, when um, Philip talks with the Ethiopian, mm. Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian's reading Isaiah, whatever it is, 53, and he goes, can you ex help me ex understand what's going on here? And then Philip starts to explain it to him, and then they go past the or something mm. and the Ethiopian goes what's stopping me from getting baptized right now which means that when Philip explained Isaiah 53 he couldn't help but put baptism in there mm. so for some reason these guys couldn't get through the sentence of explaining Jesus and the gospel and salvation without talking about water baptism 
why does no one I don't know does that make sense because I, I get yeah. it it's just like we, we can get an extra part of salvation these guys were like I can't even finish my talk without saying what baptism like I don't get it I don't understand what the big deal is in a sense actually if that makes sense yeah well, you, you understand, obviously, that they're identifying with what Jesus went through uh, in yeah. his death. So, but what, Yeah, but we don't mention that very much anymore. So I'm wondering where we went off the track, because the Acts Church was definitely on the baptism bandwagon. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not, a, it's not only baptism where we've gone off the track. It's also things like divine healing. Mm. It's also baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, this religion in itself just just t steals from the simple gospel. Yeah. yeah. But I th I think we need to get back to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think a big thing as well on the whole not being baptized. It's almost like, oh, you're forgiven, but and then people still go and do the same things that they were doing. Like yeah. it's like mm. getting water baptized or something, and it's like that actual way hard, like that full repentance is like. 